Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo, what's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip-hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, April 24th, and I am back with another exciting episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox. You already know what it is. This is the final season of the podcast, and I am in the middle of a new series called Real Rhythm uh, with my friend Brian, co-host of What's in the Box Office. It's a cross-collaborative podcast where we explore the history of hip-hop in movies. So last week, um, we discussed the best original hip-hop songs made for movies. This week, in the Dig Deeper segment, we are going to discuss the best rapper biopics. So very excited for that. Uh, Song of the Week and the Press Play segment, where I kind of keep you up to date on the hip-hop and R&B news, um, is available in the podcast newsletter. If you go to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com, right on the homepage, you can put your email address in, and you will get a copy of the newsletter uh, in your inbox every time there's an episode. Um, Or you can go to the newsletter tab, and all of the uh, newsletters are there. Um, Four episodes remain. Um... Kendrick announced an album, so there will be a Kendrick Lamar episode. His his album's dropping on May 13th, so I'll be doing an episode of that. But then there's three more um, of the Real Rhythm series episodes, and then there is the final stop on the farewell tour where my wife Karen joins, and she brings a topic for us to discuss. So uh, let's take a quick break and come right back with the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome.
Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is part two of the Real Rhythm series in the studio. I have my friend Brian. Say what up, Brian. Hey, everyone. He's the co-host Ugh, of- I'm so bad at that. I hate doing that. I panic. Especially because you said, say what up, and I was about to do that. And I was like, I probably shouldn't. And then I just said, hey, everybody. <laughs> I think you did fine. <laughs> Thank you. Sound off in the comments if you think I did shooting. Um, uh, Brian is the co-host of What's in the Box Office with our friend Noah. Please check out their podcast. They are in the midst of some very cool things. Um, and Brian is here because we have created uh, the Real Rhythm series where we explore hip-hop uh, and the history of hip-hop in movies. So nice Cross collaboration. Last week in the first episode, we talked about the best uh, original hip hop songs in movies. And this week, we will be discussing some of the best and not so best rap biopics. Is it is it biopic? Biopic? Do you know what that? Uh, I, I always say biopic. Okay, I'm going to go with that. Like a, a biography picture. Ah, yes. Okay, biopic. Um, so we, you know, there really aren't that many, um, we can see why. (laughs) Yes. And so we have six for you that we, uh, one of them doesn't really count. I mean, eight eight, eight, eight mile, he has specifically said is not a biopic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it sneaks in there by some technicalities, I would say. Um, but yeah, we got six movies. Um, I would say. Half of them I found to be very favorable, and then there were the other half, which was like they were either just okay or very bad. So I, I actively did not like two of them. <laughs> I'm excited to see. I, I know one what of, one of them is for sure. One of them was fine, I guess. The other was pretty close to being good. Have like you know, like very much like oh yeah, and then uh, the other two were just straight good. Okay, okay. So um, similar to last week. Uh, after we discuss these, we are going to deliver our individual rankings uh, from six to one of what we thought are uh, the best or just how we how we thought about these six biopics in order. So you can look forward to that at the end of our discussion. So we're going to jump right in. And actually, before I get started, I wanted to, I guess, quote unquote, fact check something from last week. I completely forgot about the song Deep Cover. Um and it was actually watching Straight Out of Compton that I reminded myself about Deep Cover, which was the song that Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre did for the Deep Cover soundtrack and also uh-huh. was the first single to The Chronic. And I was like, ooh, I should have mentioned this last week. This is a really <laughs> good song. And it's literally like named after the movie. Like it would have fit right in with what we were talking right. about. So. If you watched, if you listened to last week's episode, just remember that you should also listen to Deep Cover because it's great. Yeah, and I didn't want to say anything last week because I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't want you to feel bad, but I, you know, and I appreciate that. I, I think gr- gritting my teeth the whole time. <laughs> um. So let's just jump right in. We're going to go in chronological order. The first biopic we're going to discuss is Crush Groove. All right, Crush. You should I go first? Oh uh, yeah, go for it. All right, Crush Groove was released October 25th, 1985, uh, one of the first films to incorporate hip-hop as we know it now, directed by Michael Schultz. He directed, uh, 10 years earlier, the seminal Cooley High and Car Wash. Yes, that Ooh, Car Wash. Ooh, he did Cooley High? 
Yep. Uh, it didn't receive a wide release, this film. It wasn't a hit, but it's made its money back, just because I doubt marketing was very expensive and only cost $3 million. Uh, the film really didn't have any impact. It didn't make a lot of money. No one talks about it. The reviews were negative. The Washington Post called it Purple Drizzle. Oh, um, so wow. That, yeah, yeah. The New York Times said rap music is infinitely more original than these creaky plot devices and it deserves something better. And the Chicago Tribune noted, but the music alone isn't able to carry the film and the plot certainly can't. And I was trying to find some contemporary, all other contemporary reviews. I wanted to see if, you know, Siskel and Ebert talked about it on their show. That episode Mm. is not available. But there was an article about uh, from the Los Angeles Times where they were both being profiled in L.A. This is probably about '86, and a reporter was following them around. They said people come up to them all the time and you know ask this, this, this. And he goes, someone came up to uh, Roger Ebert and said, "Hey, have you checked out Crush Groove?" And Ebert said, "Yes, I didn't much care for it." And the guy said, oh, "Okay, I just wanted to know because I, if I should see it, I used to be a bodyguard for some of those guys. Oh. It was worth che- one of was worth checking out." And Ebert was like. All I can say is I didn't really care for it. Uh, that's all I have on Crush Groove. It's not a lot to know about it. Not a lot yeah. happened with it. <laughs> um, was this your first time watching Crush Groove? Was it not your first time? No, it was definitely my first time. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I was just curious. No, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this. I knew this movie existed before we started doing research about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's not good. <laughs> the uh, I would I would say the things I really enjoyed about the movie was the musical aspects of it. Like they performed like fifteen songs, like yes. actually performed, not just like played. It was in like the a background. musical. It was yeah. literally like a musical. Yeah, yeah, like the actual artists um, playing themselves, just like performing their singles and their their songs. Um, and I thought that was really cool, especially the songs that I had heard before, uh, like King of Rock by Run DMC. Um, I actually didn't know that the If I Ruled the World Nas song was based off of a Curtis Blow song, which he performed in the movie. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a nice like hip hop history um, portion with the different musical performances. But like, you know, this movie is supposed to be about Def Jam. And like specifically Couldn't Russell have, Simmons. I didn't I didn't learn anything new about the label. Yeah. Russell Simmons, played by a twenty year old uh oh man, what's his why can't I blank oh, out? His Blair name? Underwood. Blair Underwood, uh-huh, who's gorgeous and like <laughs> Just so miscast in this movie. He did a pretty good job, I thought, for being like twenty. It was like his first movie. I was like, he's pretty Oh good. wow. Um, yeah. And like, oh. but him him with like Sheila E, they're having like love scenes, and I'm like, what is going on? And like I thought and <laughs> they make Run DMC the villains for most of the movie. <laughs> Why did they sign off on this? Yeah, it makes, it makes Run no DMC sense. look like assholes. And like so like you know, Def Jam just was just founded in 1983, and this movie came out in 95. So there was only like 12 years of yeah. content for them to really like touch on. I I thought the same thing. I was like, you guys aren't as big of a deal to have a movie. Nothing's happened to you yet. Yeah. You know, you signed these great acts, and Run DMC's mm-hmm. doing well. But, you know, wait till like 92 and do this. I, <laughs> I, 
I agree with you. The fun part is like watching the real, like, you know, Rick Rubin being 20, not Rick Rubin. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It was just, I'm blanking on everybody's name. Anyway, <laughs> Rick Rubin being like 21 and looking like he's 40, I thought was great. Oh. He has a lot. He has, so is it not Rick Rubin? It no, yeah, Rick, Rick Rubin. Rubin, the producer. Yeah, I'm thinking uh-huh. of, I'm thinking of a movie producer. So, it, he's in a lot of the movie, you know, Run DMC is doing the, it's the, LO Cool J. Yeah. Who was, who was signed because he did that exact thing I read. Uh-huh. Which was he would just hang around auditions and just start doing it for people, like yeah. really, really skinny LL Cool J. Yeah. But the movie is trying to balance a tone of like entertain. There's like some not thriller but dramatic elements where he owes money and he could get beat up, and the movie doesn't understand what. It's, and then there's the whole fat boys thing, which I think we should spend about an hour and a half talking about. <laughs> Where like I mean, that's, that's about a, how much time they spent talking about it. So it's like sense. a, it's like a straight comedy for children that like we're watching now. When it showed them in school, I looked it up. That main guy was like sixteen when he made this. He was like seventeen. They look like they're thirty-five. Like there's a lot of miles on them. And and then we when the, when, we, when it was them in school, I thought, oh. Are they the surrogate? Like, are they going to get signed? And that's how we learn about mm. this world. We're going to follow them. And then that doesn't really happen. The resolution is stupid. I just like, it's just, it's so like lazily, it's $3 million. There are movies that come out today that cost $3 million that look a thousand times better. This was all just a must gone to music licensing. Yeah, it had and to. And why... Why couldn't Russell Simmons play him? Everyone else is themselves. Yeah, like Russell Simmons was in the movie like as a like barely yeah. side character, but like and everybody else it. is playing. <laughs> yeah, you have Rick Rubin doing himself. Why can't like like and I get if you're like, well then, well then we'll have a star, someone to market it on. But uh-huh. Blair Underwood was not a star. Was not a star. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. I honestly that those scenes with the fat boys. Was I, I texted you? I really thought I was losing my mind during that buffet scene. I was like, "What is this a real song?" Like, I thought maybe they had written the movie and they were like, "We'll have a scene where you go to a buffet, so let's just make a song about that." But I think that's a song that happened before the movie. Yeah, it is. So, so for the listeners, um, our frustrations with the Fat Boys. So, Fat Boys was a a group that I, I believe, yeah, they were signed to Def Jam. And at the time when this movie came out, they had like maybe two albums they'd released. And their whole shtick was that they were like big guys that like weren't really popular because of like their looks. So they decided also, to not just, that big. They're yeah, not, not that, that big. big. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they decided to lean into themselves it. <laughs> with that fat moniker insulting to certain people of a certain weight. Anyway. <laughs> And so they made like they made songs like a song called All You Can Eat, which I believe is the song they performed during they the go buffet to Sabar- scene. They go to Sabaros in like Times Square <laughs> and eat so much. And they go to like a downstairs platform to eat it. And then the guy's like, you owe more money. It's like, it's not all you can eat work. And they act like they're like, really, they pulled a fast one on him and they like, uh-huh. run out of the place. that scene goes on forever, man. Yeah. Like, and like. <sighs> They the, this movie spent so much time focusing on like the fat boys like side plot of comedic relief and like trying to get like trying to win like a, a 
uh, a talent, like, a show. talent show. Yeah. And like, we didn't learn anything about Def Jam and like the things Nothing. that they tried to push on us about Def Jam weren't even true. Like I had to look up cause I didn't really know much about like these stories um, to like figure out what was inaccurate. So I looked it up and like the primary plot line that Russell Simmons needed money to like push run DMC's music. So he borrowed money from a loan shark. Wasn't even true. They just made that up. It's like, why, why are you making this movie then? <laughs> if you have to make up the main plot line. <laughs> Do you know if anything happened while they were starting it? That could have been a movie. Was there anything dramatic or was it like smooth sailing for them? It from what I read, it seems like it was relatively smooth. Well, that's like, and maybe that's I, why. Yeah, they just needed to, you know, all, make and something. Also, and there's like a did he ever like have a relationship with Sheila E? No, nope, completely thing? made it up. This this is out of this movie is insane. This is nuts. I and like it, you know it it also felt like they were like we're gonna make a movie around the fat boys. We just signed these guys. They're funny. They sing about fat and how they're <laughs> fat. We got to do it. But then they were like, well, we'll just, in-. it was like, it seemed like they were trying to start that mm-hmm. where this was like a backdoor pilot for a fat boys series of movies that this is going to hit big and we're going to spin them off. <laughs> and it just doesn't work. Like at the end, they don't even seem like that happy that they won first prize at this thing. The beastie boys show up in it. I really wanted more with them. Oh yeah. They, they only I have guess- one performance. Yeah. And they sang like two bars of their song. Right. Um, but <sighs> It was a real slog, man. It was a, it was a long hour and a half that movie. Yeah, I was um I was out of town at the time when I was watching this, and so I was like in an Airbnb, like with the I think it was the Bulls game. Yeah, I think it was when the Bulls beat Milwaukee. So I had the Bulls game on my computer because I was like, well, I got to watch Crush Groove, and like <laughs> the Bulls game was so much more exciting. Yeah, I don't know how you could have paid attention to anything else. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was rough. But like I would say if you're a big fan of like Run DMC and like some of that early hip hop from the eighties, maybe you're a fan of Fat Boys. I don't know. Sure. If you if you like Curtis Sloan of Fat Boy <laughs> and it, it's I realized everything through the movie. It's the first line of Heart of the City, which is my favorite beat of all time. Oh yeah. Yeah. First, the Fat Boys breakup, which I don't know ever knew what that <laughs> meant. And I'm like, Jay Z was sad that these guys broke up. <laughs> what? Must have really took it hard when the fat boys broke up. Damn, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's. I feel like that's the only only thing I can endorse this movie for is if like you're a big fan of like kind of that early '80s into late '80s hip hop. Like this is a great kind of time capsule moment for you to see a young Sheila E, uh, right. a young Run DMC performing. But like Here's, other than that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, here's what I would say because it's not very funny or entertaining. If you're a fan of 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 those acts, especially Run DMC and Sheely, they're really they they get most of the oh, yeah. star time in the movie. I'm sure those performances exist on YouTube from the movie. <laughs> you can look up those scenes on YouTube. <laughs> you don't need to see them. If you really want to see them act, you can watch it. But I think it's going to be real tough. So if you really like, what were they like back then? I'm sure the LL Cool J scene is on YouTube somewhere. You know, that's you a know. fair point because I did have to pay $3 to rent this movie. And I don't Me want anybody too. else to have to go through that. So yeah, go on YouTube and look up these clips. The <laughs> amount of these movies we have to do that are not streaming is upsetting. <laughs> For sure. Um yeah, I think so. That's that's Crush Groove. That's all I've got for Crush Groove. 
All right, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> next, we jump 20, let's see, no, 17 years mm-hmm. into the future for 8 Mile, released November 8th, 2002. Um, highly anticipated film. There was a huge pedigree behind it, directed by mm-hmm. Curtis Hansen, who directed L.A. Confidential five years earlier, which had nine Oscar nominations and one Hansen adapted screenplay. It was produced by Brian Grazer, who's a super producer. He's produced such stuff before um, 8 Mile as Splash, Parenthood, Kindergarten Cop, Boomerang, Apollo 13, Oh, both, wow. the Nutty, both the Nutty Professor movies, Liar Liar, Bowfinger, The Grinch. He won the Best Picture Oscar because those are given to producers eight months earlier for A Beautiful Mind. Oh, damn. The film co-starred Kim Basinger as uh, Eminem's mom. It reunited her with Curtis Hansen after she co-starred in LA Confidential, for which she won an Oscar for Supporting Actress. Mackay Pfeiffer co-starred. It was This is just a little notable because ER was still a really big deal. It was mm. kind of on its way down, but it was still pulling in over 20 million viewers a week. He was seven months into his role on ER, which he had oh. for a few years. Uh, of course, it starred Eminem, one of the most famous people on the planet. He had already sold over 50 million albums. This was, came out just months after the Eminem show became a phenomenon. The film received good reviews, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, again, is just the percentage of critics that would just recommend the film, not an indication of how good it is. Mm. Whereas Metacritic, which does tell you how good it is, it has 77 from the average score from critics out of 100, which is good. A particular praise was given to Eminem. The Los Angeles Times wrote, Eminem is an actor with a rare gift for range and movie careers, even big ones, have been built on less. Newsweek called him compact, volatile, and burningly intense. He's got charisma to spare. The film had a massive opening weekend. It was expected to open to around 30, which would have been a big success in its own right, but it blew the doors off the competition, making $51 million in its debut. It's the second wow. biggest ever for an R-rated film, or it was at the time. It had a huge drop in Weekend 2, which is something you'll be seeing a lot of uh, on this list. The film, <laughs> really, the film fell a massive 62% in Weekend 2. Um, generally, an average of, uh, if, if your movie opens big, you can expect a little bit of a, a bigger drop just because there's a lot more room to go down, but mm. you really kind of want to stay within a 50 million range. Uh. Anything less than 50 is great. Anything more is a pretty big plunge. This did 62, which was big, especially for 2002. Um, on its second weekend, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets opened, which couldn't have helped. <laughs> Despite the good reviews, the buzz, the popular soundtrack, the film had a limited audience, as you can tell by the second weekend drop. Mm-hmm. The fan base came out in week one and didn't expand much past the core audience. 116 million was its domestic total, 243 on a budget of 41 worldwide it was the biggest r-rated film of 2002 of course lose yourself came with it and uh became the first rap song as we all know to win best original song at the oscars question what um what would you say Hmm. is a typical uh movie studios like how much pro like i guess what profit are they okay with making compared to their budget like is it if they break so, even our most generally studios okay movie studios no because the budget that we're given is just for how much it costs to make the movie you have to really factor in marketing costs which uh-huh. can be which can be roughly the same amount could be even more so they don't release those figures generally sometimes they do but it's just not factored into the budget mm. 
So generally you want about three times what it costs to make the movie. Okay. Because then you're taking into account marketing and then you're pulling in a profit. So about three times is what you're looking for. And depending on the movie, you know, two times could be fine. Mm. If it's going to have nice, you know, especially back in 2002, DVDs were still huge. So you could make a good chunk of change on the DVD market. So movies didn't necessarily have to make three times as much in theaters to turn a profit. Nowadays, that's not really the case. You really do need the money from the theaters. Um, But yeah, still, was it two... 43 on 41 million. That's three times. Yeah, that's yeah, they made a decent chunk of change. Um, yeah. And I, I hadn't seen this in a few years. I keep forgetting and I'm delighted that Michael Shannon's in it. Local boy, Michael Shannon. <laughs> uh huh. Um, but, uh, the movie's good. You know, it, it has, um, an authenticity to it that Richard Curtis brings. I think it's also going to be a theme for these movies when like a, and I want to say a real director cause I don't want to disparage anybody, but like an acclaimed director or someone who, who has been proven to know how to handle his shit makes it. You can really tell the difference in atmosphere and tone and the look of the film. Mm. Um, this really has it. I think that, uh, my one gripe with this movie is that, um, I think the guy who plays cheddar, I don't know if I want to say he's terrible. I think the character's terrible. Yes. It, it it, it takes you out of the movie. He's so ridiculous and stupid that it stops making it realistic. And I'm like, well, this person doesn't exist in real life, whereas everyone else I can see being real. So he just seems like a prop we're using. And uh-huh. I, it takes the authenticity away real quick. Every time he, he stumbles and says something he shouldn't. Of course, shoots stuff. himself in the leg. Yeah. Yeah, or shoots himself <laughs> in the leg. Or, you know, Eminem's like, I'm going to go be by myself. Can I come? No, I said I want to be by myself. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's it's real silly and and um, that's my one gripe. But I really love the thing, and I know it's not a biopic, but the best biopics, in my opinion, are the movies that aren't what they call cradle to grave, meaning you know birth to death, the whole lifespan, mm-hmm. which is more common because then you can get all the greatest hits. You know, you take a figure like Johnny Cash mm-hmm. and walk the line, and you 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 can do the whole thing that way. You get his early hits, his later hits him dying, which is always dramatic. But to me, it's, it's the films that focus on a certain period that can really show you what a person is like. Otherwise I'm spanning so much of their life. So many things change about a person's life. I I don't really get to know them because their circumstances and their situation keeps changing. This does a great job of it being a very specific part of rabbit's career. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very short. Selma did the same thing. Where I, I, you know, you learn more about who Martin Luther King Jr. really was because it was about like just that one period of time. Yeah. And so you really get his thoughts and his motivations and how he reacts to certain situations. And that's how you get to know somebody. I thought this did the same thing. And I also want to commend, you know, again, I know it's not a biopic, but Eminem and the writers for having him be flawed. And all of these movies, these characters are pretty unflappable because they're such. They're in the public eye and, you know, get Richard Dye, we're talking about in a second, is it's made for and by the person who it's about. So they're not going to show a lot of vulnerability in their character because they're, you know, they don't want to be seen as weakness. But like Eminem throwing up at the beginning is immediately just different than any kind of other persona that we'd see from this kind of movie mm-hmm. and him having stage fright and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a good way to immediately build a character up. So I, I, I like a mile. It's good. 
Yeah, and I'll you know I'll say like we mentioned that this isn't a, a biopic because it is kind of semi fictionalized. It is also semi autobiographical. Like at the foundation, like what the movie is about did kind of happen to Eminem, just like not in the way that we see it. Like he did, you know, get into battle rapping when he was young. But like this movie constitutes probably a snapshot of like a two year span of Eminem's actual life. Um, and like, he is not B rabbit. So we're not seeing him make like specific songs that we may have known up until that point. It's just like a part of an origin story. Um, but I thought it was a, a really good movie. Um, Eminem isn't a great actor for sure, but I, I feel like you can see that there's a lot of promise. And if he had decided to keep acting, I think he would have gotten better, but <laughs> he kind of one did a one and out with this movie. And yeah, you know. he's very, he's very natural on screen. Like mm-hmm. I, I believe when he reacts to something that it's the first time that person's reacting to it or the first time that person's saying it uh-huh. instead of someone who's memorized lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's also very closed in. It's not a stretch for him, that persona. Yeah, you for know? sure. So in that regard, it's you know, how impressive can it be? But he certainly could have sucked. You could see that he was really <laughs> he was really trying and uh he did a good job. Yeah, and um I feel like kind of what they centered like the the rap part that they centered on in this movie, battle rapping, is just kind of a exciting thing to craft a story around in itself. Like oh, yeah. it's pretty fascinating as an art form. Um, <laughs> and they did a great job of making everyone who did it really good at it. Like there's yeah. not like, there's not like a clear difference even at the end. I, I, even like his last battle, I don't think is the best one that he does his last thing that he wraps up, uh-huh. but they do a good job of giving the people who he's going up against just really good rhymes and, and insults and stuff. Man, I remember watching this movie over and over again. Like, I downloaded the audio of all the rap battles from this movie off of LimeWire, <laughs> like when I was younger. And so I just had it on a mix CD. So at some point in my life, I just knew every word to like all of the rap battles in the movie. Wow. I don't know them anymore. Uh, but when I was rewatching it, like, I could, like, the words were coming back to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I really I did used to watch this a lot or listen to this a lot. Um, Eminem's lived a wild life. Um, I feel like it'd be super interesting to see other parts of his life and career kind of dramatized in film, um, like the parts of his life that we're familiar with. But it was it was cool to see this kind of like origin story of sorts be created. And and every place feels real. I think that you know at the end when he's doing the you know. Um, uh, when he was having everybody put their hands in the air and bobbing uh-huh. him. And that place really feels like it's jumping. Like those actually yeah. did a great job with those extras, that second unit director or the assistant director, whoever's in charge of the extras um, did a great job. They really, it, every place felt real. Every person felt, Kim Basinger's overplaying it a bit, <laughs> especially with that accent. Like just don't give her an accent. She sounds yeah. insane. Um, yeah. Do you think but, she? Um, um, do you think she had a leg up getting the job because her name was Kim and his real mom's name was? Oh wait, no, his wife's name was Kim. Never mind. His wife. I was, I was thinking about. He, his lo- mom. he, yeah, he, he loves his mom in the movie. He does not. Yeah, love does not Kim in real life. From what we what we've heard. Every time I watch it, it's always jarring when I realize, oh, that's his sister. Because like they're obviously just doing Haley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess that's just his sister. I also thought Taryn Mann was in it more than she was. Oh yeah, she was in like maybe three scenes. Yeah, yeah. And I also really liked uh, Brittany Murphy in it. I, I, was, I think she's very good, and oh. she makes that character more than 
just a woman who screws him over. Like she cares for him the whole time. Mm-hmm. She's just like, we're not dating. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a career to get off the ground. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know what you thought this was. Um, <laughs> it's uh it's good. The exhibit cameo is funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember this movie being an enormous deal when it came out. I remember the I am- trailer so well. I remember, you know what I found on YouTube? A clip from MTV Movie House. Do you remember this? No. Do you remember what, do you know what Movie House was? I, I didn't either. And then I watched it and it was like they brought, it was like a behind the scenes show, but they brought a bunch of people to a screening and showed it to them. And then at the end, they would slap a bunch of like words on a wall. Like, you know, they'd be like, describe the movie. And they'd put like, you know, great or epic or whatever. And that really like clicked in my brain. I was like, oh, I know that wall. Uh, it was very fun to watch. Huh. I wish they had more of them. But um, yeah, this movie, this was like, peak mt this is like right at the end of peak mtv this was mm. this was a huge deal so that that opening weekend now doesn't surprise me but at the time it was a big deal how big of a hit this was and um that's why he was for sure winning that oscar <laughs> yeah for okay. sure it's a good one um all right that was eight mile let's uh go forward three years and talk now about for an actual <laughs> biopic <laughs> yes get rich or die trying by All right, November 9th by yeah, directed written by yeah, yeah. uh came out November 9th 2005 released 3 years almost to the day as 8 mile interesting which came out November 8th this was November 9th clearly they're trying for the same success here it was so obvious that they were going oh this will just be as big directed by Jim Sheridan which blew my mind he, a year before this he directed a movie called In America which is still one of my favorite films and was a big hit with critics it had six independent Spirit Award nominations Jaiman Hansu won the Spirit Award for Supporting Actor nominated for three Oscars including original screenplay for Jim Sheridan and his two daughters who wrote it it's a great movie shocked this was his next movie written by Terrence Winter who's in the middle of his run as director, a writer, and occasional director on The Sopranos. Mm. Huge pedigree with this movie. 50 Cent was the next big thing in rap. It was based on his debut album, which two years earlier was a big hit. His next album, The Massacre, another huge hit, was released eight months before this film. It received neg- The movie received negative reviews, 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, 45 wow. on Metacritic. Uh, fi- but see, that's the disparity. It's like... 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, you're like, this movie's trash, worst movie's ever made. Metacritic is a 45, which means critics were like, it's not good, but it's almost fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50s performance received a mixed response. The Boston Globe said, on most levels, his performance is as flat as his abs. <laughs> Tough, tough. Yikes. The movie was a box office bomb. It opened on a Wednesday to 17 million over the five days, so Wednesday to Sunday, hmm. and 12 million of that over the traditional weekend, Friday to Sunday. It opened in an oddly low amount of theaters, which is also something we'll notice in these next two movies, hmm. um, which shows the studio confidence was probably low when it came out. 31 domestic, 46 worldwide on a budget of, again, 40, same price tag. As Eight Mile, I, I I saw this in theaters. Oh, really? With my mom. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, she won't remember this at all, um, and I barely remember the movie. But uh, I watched it again. You you had seen it before, I'm guessing, right? Yes, I think I had seen this movie one time, 
Um, so this was honestly basically starting over from scratch. It was like the perfect experience. You were like, I can't watch it again. It will never get better than this. What, uh, what did you think of Get Rich or Die Trying? Um, it was okay. Um, I don't know. Like, 50 Cent is not a great actor, but he also, like, didn't he didn't really need to act as much. Like he's kind of just playing himself, like actually similar to what he does on power when he acts. Like, it's just like, you're playing a gangster because that's what you, you were in a past life. Like this isn't, this isn't anything new to you. So, I mean, maybe you have to memorize some lines, but like, I don't think it's hard for you to tap into this character. I did think they made him look, um, young when they cut from him being a kid to him being like 17. I was pretty surprised by how young he looked. Also, the kid who played him as a child, Mark John Jeffries, also played uh, Lil C's in Notorious. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and it, and it, it's funny because I saw him in Dad, Notorious. I, together. I saw him in Notorious in the background, and I was like, oh, is he – and I looked it up, and I swear to God, for a second, I thought, is he playing 50 Cent in this little... <laughs> like, is he going to have a moment where he goes up, and he's like, oh. he's like, what's your name? And he's like, Curtis Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> because the guy who played Biggie plays him in All Eyes on Me. So I was like, yeah. maybe they're all, everything's connected. I don't know what's going on. Um, that would be interesting. <laughs> but no, he plays uh, he plays Lil C's. But yeah, you know what? It's a really good cast. Yes, a lot of recognizable Although, names. Terrence Howard at that beginning scene is just too crazy. He is out of his mind in that. Yeah, opening. he. When we get to like actually meet his character later on, it's like okay, yeah. this is this is better. But like you were yeah. you were really going for it in the beginning. He is screaming <laughs> so much, and Fiddy is like such a low energy performer. Yes, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah, um, big juxtaposition. <laughs> like they're also pulling Viola Davis to play like his grandmother. Yeah. Which is tough, but like they got Viola Davis, so that helps in their favor there. Sure. But he's not a good actor. I think was it's interesting too because his voice changed after he got shot in his his jaw. Right, that's a mm-hmm. big thing with him. But when he's acting in the movie, he's already shot in his jaw, so his voice is already different. Oh, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so when they get to that in the movie and he gets shot in the jaw, does he does he rap? a little more tighter than he usually does. Like did was Jim Sheridan. Like now normally you sound this way cause you were shot in the jaw, but in this movie and these scenes were acting and you have not been shot in the jaw. So in the movie universe, this is just how you sound normally. So when like, do we do shoot you in the jaw in this movie? I need you to sound more like you were shot in the jaw. <laughs> it's a weird thing to play. It's a weird that's, thing. To yeah. Play. That's a good point. And but, like, uh, I mean, yeah, like I don't like this movie for the most part, it covers pretty accurately like the events of his early life, like his mom getting killed, him becoming a drug dealer and a gangster, him going to jail, him getting shot nine times. Like all of that stuff actually happened. And like for, for what I have read, it happens pretty similarly for the most part to what, to what, to how they show it in the movie. Although it is still kind of semi fictionalized, just like eight mile. Like they were really using eight mile as a template for this movie, even from the like, Let's go back to his childhood and like, you know, but this movie didn't like excite me in the way that like I want a biopic to excite me. Like 
we didn't get to see any cool songs being made. Like all of the songs he made in the movie were songs that he made for the movie. Like they weren't actual songs. Yeah. And they're not good. Window shopper's not that interesting to play four times in your movie. <laughs> no, like the, the best song on, on that soundtrack and of the movie was hustlers ambition. And I, I don't think they even really play it until like toward the end, like maybe the credits. I watched I watched this movie over like three days or two days, uh-huh. and uh, no three days. It was on Showtime, so I didn't have to pay for it. And um, Noah came over at one point. It was on Wednesday. We were going to watch the Bulls game, uh-huh. and as he was going after we stopped watching, he was going to the kitchen. I just started doing window shop. <laughs> it is it's a catchy hook. But oh like, yeah, for sure. That that's your lose yourself song that you just like repeat <laughs> over and over again, right? That yeah. was surprising. I also feel, you know, again, this goes into the, my whole issue with biopics is there's too much ground to cover mm-hmm. that we don't get to understand the person in that situation. And also the opposite with a mile, he's not vulnerable. Nothing. He is like immediately a success at drug dealing. Yep. And then there's no issue. He just, <laughs> he does it. He makes money and suddenly he's like, he has better sh- was it was the shoe it was shoes right he wanted shoes in this one uh, isn't yeah. that a thing yeah yeah so he buys the shoes uh-huh. his life his and then his life's fine from there like I just everything worked out for him as it worked out and then the movie like he, almost in the background showed him making music yeah well, I, I wasn't even sure that was going to be part of it and in my mind it probably shouldn't have been <laughs> like if you're if you're going to make that story just make it about how you know he was in these circumstances dealing drugs, made a lot of money. He went to jail and then he decides I need to do something else. And that's just, that's yeah. the journey we're on. I don't need to then see him being like, okay, so should we put this track down? I'm like, what are you in a studio? Where does this come from? Yeah. They really could about? have left out all of the rapping part until like maybe the end. And like, that's the big like movie ending moment is like, he decides to, yeah. and like the, the movie would have been probably better, <laughs> but like, 50 Cent, his early mixtape days, like, so this movie probably covers, like, his childhood to, like, age 21. And, like, when once he started making mixtapes and actually decided to, like, leave, you know, gangbanging behind and, like, focus on music, like, that's when he started to get noticed. Specifically, he made a song called How to Rob, which is a hilarious song. If, if you all haven't heard it, you need to listen to it. Where basically... He, he makes a song where he talks about how he would like to rob and how he would rob like a bunch of artists in the game. Like he just name drops a bunch of people like Jay-Z, um, who else? DMX, Diddy, Slick Rick. And he just like talks about how he would rob them for the things that they have. And it is hilarious. And it would have been so cool for them to like show him making that song or like, a, a version of it or making any of the actual music from the mixtapes that he put out in like 2002. Yeah. Like, why did we, like, we could have just had him actually I mean. play like, himself. <laughs> so I mean, is, you know, either go the notorious route or go the eight mile route and do a gangster movie as someone similar to yourself and your upbringing, but mm-hmm. going down it, have it be a tragedy. Have have the movie be a message movie where you become a gangster and then you die for it. And it's Ooh. the movie is about the wrong path that he could have taken. Oh yeah, he died trying. Still, wow. And it's <laughs> and it's still a biopic. Yeah. 
but it's just it's a, it's a what if biopic. Like at least do something interesting That's like that. Idea. This was this is like half a movie. The Joy Bryant thing didn't like work for me at all. Yeah, like he just he's not soft enough to like <laughs> carry that off. Yeah. Um, is she a real person? Is that somebody in his life? Uh, not that I know. I think they might have just. I think similar to Crush Groove, they needed a love interest, so they were like, yeah, "Hey, yeah. Sheila E. Hey, Joy Bryant, why don't you come yeah, here?" Yeah. He's just. Am I having sex with anyone in this movie? Hmm. <laughs> That's, no, yeah, huh? let's fix that. <laughs> Are we sure? <laughs> also, oh my goodness, I was so surprised that Fifty Cent agreed to do a naked shower fight scene. Like, considering by the way, his character. <laughs> What a choice. That's at least something. I was like, this is interesting. Yes. It looked it looks like they're doing this for this looks like it's it's wet. You could slip. Yeah. They, they, have, they have they have prop knives, but something's happening on screen at least. Like I was like, yeah, wow, was, 50 cent okay this. Great. Good I mean, for also him. listen, if as if he spends as much time on the treadmill as that as into club makes it seem, I'd also have a naked scene in my Yeah, movie. why not? Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, even that was something where I was, oh, this happened. I thought like the guy who had like the sword in his cane, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Just killing people. Oh I shot him God. nine. By the way, it's not that guy's fault. He did shoot him nine times. Yes. Yes. Like, I don't know why he's like, you didn't do it enough. What are you talking <laughs> was, about? I, I shot him nine times, including yeah. his face. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> what more do you want from me? Viola <laughs> uh, Davis ran at me and I got scared. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with those grandmas <laughs> i uh <laughs> yeah i just i didn't learn again i didn't learn anything about him i learned you know and, and like the whole build-up with him in that rick james picture was not at the end joy bryant was like can i move this and he's like yeah i'm happy which is a con- <laughs> which is a conclusion but i needed to see something about that it just i didn't learn anything about the man himself i learned about mm-hmm. what he went through and that's just different i could read that on wikipedia yes you know yep. if you're gonna be if you're gonna be in your movie show me Mm-hmm. what you were thinking and how it made you who you are. This movie didn't, it looked great. The performances are pretty decent, mm. um, but it's just a very like whatever movie. Like it's not necessarily bad. It's just like, this is like not, this is just boring. It's not yeah. the way to do this. It's one note. It's, it doesn't really yeah. dig any deeper than like the base layer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We ready for the next one? Let's do it. Notorious. Notorious. Released January 16th, 2009. It was the first hip-hop biopic to be made without the subject matter's input. Mm. You know, because the other two, the other three, yeah. Uh, Though Sean Combs was an executive producer. Mm. It opened on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend uh, with a strong debut. $20 over the weekend, $23 over the four-day. It opened in a smaller number of theaters compared to the other films opening that weekend, which... In this case, because it wasn't chasing Eight Mile and it wasn't mm-hmm. with a huge name in the lead like like Get Rich was, this to me showed the studio knew exactly the audience it was targeting, the markets they wanted to put in, where to make the most money um, is where they put the movie out. The per theater average, which is the amount of money that the theaters received, not the theaters themselves, but the amount of money spent at the theaters it was in, was the biggest of any film that weekend, including the top film on the chart, which actually made $15 million total more than Notorious. So that shows you how good they were at targeting their theaters, was that they it made a lot less than the other one, but made more at each theater gotcha. than the other film, which was Paul Blart and Mall Cop. Okay. <laughs> it had an enormous drop in Weekend 2. 
Uh, the film finished with only 36 million. Generally, wow. so let me kind of go into this. A good, uh, a good amount of money to make over your opening weekend compared to your total is about 30, 25 to 35 million. Mm. That's the percentage of the first weekend you want your total to be. That shows that you have legs, that you played in theaters a lot. Anything in the 40 million range is a little front loaded. 50 million is really bad. It means that no one outside of a core audience saw your movie. This opened to 20 and made 36. So it didn't even double what it made on opening weekend. Wow. Which is bad. It had mixed positive reviews, 52% on Metacritic, six, uh, no, 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, 60 on Metacritic. Variety, Roger Ebert, The Hollywood Reporter all applauded Jamal Woodlard's performance. Most critics thought the film was solid, respectful, and engaging enough, if a little too by the books, and not living up to its larger-than-life subject matter, which is a complaint I have for this and the next movie mm. we're watching. But I watched this after All Eyes on Me, and boy, did this feel like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I definitely – I didn't watch these back-to-back, but I found myself comparing – these two movies specifically and probably because you have to yeah they they both you died um before the movie was made so they were very similar in that way but yeah notorious is way better <laughs> and that and yeah. that's saying something but you know i still have problems with the movie i just again think uh-huh. that if i guess i guess we'll talk about my main issue with these two movies is that these are larger than life figures who had bigger than life personas bigger than life legacies they're them as individuals mm-hmm. where larger than life. So why are we making routine biopics about them? It's a disservice to the person. It like invalidates how spontaneous they were, how energetic they were. This movie almost gets there, but like the plotting is just by the numbers, the, the yeah. voiceover of him explaining how, Oh God, felt. I hated the narration. Like, get this out of here. <laughs> Of him going like, and then I did this. No, no, you didn't. You're dead. You can't be telling yes, me that you like, did Yes, like why, why, what are we doing? <laughs> Don't put words in his mouth about something that happened after these events. Like, just show it to me. Don't yeah. tell me. It's the prince. It's why you have moving pictures. This isn't a book. Show yeah. it to me. You know, um, I did think he was very good at it, although he looks, you know, 35. Yeah. And he's, he's playing a 21-year-old. I felt like... When he was rapping, that was when I really, really enjoyed uh, Jamal. What's his last name? Woodlard? Is that it? A Woodlard, yeah. Now, yeah. was that him? Because in the Tupac one, it's definitely not him. No, Tupac one, they are like, he is just lip singing. But I felt, yeah. I thought that Jamal was actually rapping for the Biggie. Because yeah, it, didn't, it didn't sound like Biggie. Right. So I was like, oh, I think you're actually doing this. And like just the performance of it, and maybe this has something to do with the cinematography uh, during the rapping and music scenes, like the camera was doing a lot of like shifting, like it was it was doing a lot of energetic yeah. things. I thought that was really cool. It was the like everything else that didn't really hit for me with Jamal's performance. Like the emotional moments kind of mm. fell flat. Um, and it's I, I mean it's hard when you have Angela Bassett like <laughs> just like nailing her emotional moments, but you know he I feel like it was a lot for him. <laughs> It's tough that, you know, you make a movie about a person that people love and so you want him to be sympathetic, which is an issue we'll run into with the next two movies on our list. But Mm. 
with this one, they really did a good job of making him unlikable at times. Oh, yeah. You know, which is a big part of who he is. It's similar to, I don't want to, you know, I don't know why this is like my gold standard for biopics, but the whole Selma thing, they don't necessarily shy away from the affairs Martin Luther King Jr. had in that movie. There's some mention of it because that's who they were. And that also makes them in in a way not more relatable, but more indelible to you in that they're flawed. They make these mistakes, but look at mm-hmm. the art they put out or look at the good they did. Um, so, you know, he's cheating all the time in this. This has the most nudity of any of the movies that we have on this list. Except for maybe that one scene in Straight Outta Compton. But Oh, yes. It, yeah. uh, but it, it's, he, you know, he does like love Faith Evans and he's, it's it's just it, it's a really interesting portrayal because he is mean to women. You know he has that that I think it's a great scene where he has that line where he calls it might have been little Kim a bitch on the phone. Yes, yeah, it was. And then his daughter's there, and he says, uh-huh. "Don't ever." He doesn't even say. He says, "Don't ever let." Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Does he say, "Don't ever let a man call you a bitch," or "Don't ever do anything to let a man call you a bitch"? I think it's "Don't ever let a man." Yeah, I think it's the former. Yeah. Yeah, but he just did it. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a great dichotomy of a character because he's twenty one. He's not he's not going to have all the answers. He's not going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that the movie spent more time getting having us get to know him, Christopher, Christopher, mm-hmm. right? That's his name mm-hmm. uh, as a character as opposed to Biggie Smalls as a rapper. And then we still got the scenes in the studio, which can be very you know played out where he just goes what if i did which is more the the scene i'm thinking of is really in all eyes on me when they play him the ambitions as a writer beat and he goes hold on slow that down and they do and he's like hmm that gives me an idea and then he just writes a great song like that's silly yeah it's like come on this is come on (laughs) yeah they do that all the time and they, they they act like the audience wants it to seem like a big magic trick that just appeared out of thin air yeah I when did, in actuality, I did like but, w- when he recorded "Juicy" though, like that scene, like when uh when I uh, Diddy's character was kind of like playing him the Juicy yeah, Fruit and, sample. Yeah, that was that and, was really and, cool. And, and and he doesn't like it. I was like, yeah. that's interesting that he was like, I don't like this beat, and and Diddy's like, we need a hit, you got to do it. And then <laughs> yeah. he, he he did it, and it was great. I, yeah, I thought that was that was great. I thought they did. Um, I thought they did a good job in that sense. I like the way, and it, it, it felt big because he is just such a big character, but um, I really like the ending, the, the splicing of real footage from that yeah. parade, that, that, you know, scene of people, maybe not a parade is a funeral type of parade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> You're driving down the street very slowly. <laughs> yeah. It's a parade. Um, it's a sad yeah. parade, but it's a parade. <laughs> it's way. Listen, not all parades have to be happy. Um, hey, you know, that's a good point. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was good. This was like my two and a half where I was like, uh, I, I don't need, I don't need certain things, but it was much better than the next one. And they did a good job of saying, this is, you know, warts and all, this is the man. Yeah. We're not going to sugarcoat it. And Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. Yeah, I um. <laughs> There's a few things I want to talk about. Uh, let me just start with this. Anthony Mackie was the least exciting Tupac I have ever seen. And like we've at this point, we've seen like maybe four or five people play Tupac in <laughs> either TV shows or movies. But like, and maybe it wasn't his fault. Maybe it's because I've seen Anthony Mackie as so many other things besides. He was Tupac. the bad guy in Eight Mile. <laughs> <He was laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah good Mile. point. But like. I don't know. Like he, he didn't. He doesn't look like Tupac. I wasn't no. really getting like Tupac's. Like I mean, he he did an okay job of replicating Tupac's energy, but like the way right. Tupac talked, like none of that. I got none of that from him. So for, like his performance <laughs> fell kind of flat for me. Right, and I the same issue with All Eyes on Me, where you you either go all in and get me everyone that looks like everyone, uh huh, or don't do it at all which is like <laughs> the guy who played biggie looked like him sounded like him tupac no and then i cannot wait to spend the next hour and a half talking about the guy who played snoop dogg in all i oh. and them just dubbing actual snoop dogg voice which oh i'm 99 sure is what happened i you know i would agree with you i would agree with you i think that's oh what happened oh my god that was shocking to me and yeah. again he looked nothing like him so it's like either go all in there people you know what casting uh people are good at casting suge knight though yes i felt like suge knight um was i mean and suge knight didn't get a lot of like attention i think in uh okay it's tough to remember which movie he's because in all the he's next in three all, movies he's in, he's in all three of, them. of them yeah so, so, I is, think, so is uh, is Tupac in Straight Outta Compton? No. I think Snoop Dogg is. Snoop, wait, Snoop Dogg definitely No, Tupac is, is in Straight Outta Compton. He is. Okay. Because there's so a scene is, where Dre oh, is like recording with him. Uh, okay, and he's played by somebody. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. yeah. I got I to gotta finish that movie. <laughs> I'm only an hour and a half into it. Oh, wait. Um, it was Lakeith Stanfield Snoop Dogg. Oh, God. No. I, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think Le- I think Lakeith was Snoop Dogg. I'll look it up. I got the key okay. up. Um... um but yeah, so Anthony Mackie's Tupac. I thought Suge Knight and and we'll we'll get to Straight Outta Compton uh, last. I thought the the Suge Knight and Straight Outta Compton was the best, but yeah, he did a pretty good job of of playing him in all of them. Um, so so Straight Outta Compton has two. It has 
Mark Rose playing him and Darius Love doing his voice. I don't have whether that's the rapping voice or the speaking voice. I don't know. Of Tupac? But yeah, but he is in all three of these movies as well. Yeah, that's wild. Um, so we gotta talk about the little Kim of it all. Yes, um, this is something I do want to mention. I did see that Wikipedia thing, I did read it. Um and in my mind, knowing very little about their history, she didn't come off terribly. And then from an outsider's perspective, you know, she's promiscuous with him and he like says, like, take your shirt off. You know, <laughs> why why doesn't that beer look? But by the end of it, it's her like owning her sexuality in my mind. Like when she's on stage, that to me is her being like, this is my persona. I'm, I like doing it. Uh-huh. But um, oh, that ending where he calls and he's like, well, how about to, both of these fucking movies have an ending where they're making big plans for tomorrow. Uh-huh. Tomor- tomorrow's going to be a great day. <laughs> I'm going to apologize to Lil' Kim. I'm going to say hi to my first child. I'm going to, I'm taking my mom to Hawaii. Uh, I'm donating all my money to charity. You know, and two and Tupac's like, I can't wait to spend time with you. Whoever yeah. I talk to, that'll definitely have like, God damn it, guys. We know, we know. Yeah, we get it. They're going to die. It's so irritating. So irritating. Anyway. Yes. Please talk about it. Um, so I I do agree. Like I think the scene specifically where um, Lil Kim is performing her verse from "Get Money" fired yeah. the way Notori Naughton like nailed really Lil Kim in that yeah, scene. Like really oh my god, it was great. Um, I felt like so the Wikipedia talks about how Lil Kim was less than pleased with how she was portrayed, and Lil Kim and Notori Naughton actually have, like, real beef now, because, like... Oh, no. Yeah, like, Lil Kim, like, hated the way she played her, and I, I think it was more the movie than her, but then, like, the way Lil Kim was, like, directing things at her, then Notori got pissed, and then Lil Kim didn't like the way Notori was responding to her, so now I, I don't think they've resolved this. I think they actually have an issue with each other now. But, wow. like... I kind of get it because they kind of overly sexualized little Kim in this movie. And specifically they spent a lot of time using her as a prop, like, like with relation to Biggie, than actually like spending a lot of time on the, the rapper she was becoming like she (laughs) little Kim is a huge pioneer when it comes to women in hip hop. And besides that scene where she like started to own it, they didn't really, they didn't really like mention that any of this was happening kind of at the same time. And they, that's a great point. And they also do that thing where every time she says, Hey, I'm doing this. He always goes, yeah, you could do that. But how about sexier? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, this is my verse and it's really good. He's like, yeah, but guys don't want to hear women rappers unless they're talking about sex. So right. do that. Yep. That's yep. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they I don't I don't know like how serious their personal relationship was, but I will say the movie makes it seem like it was way bigger than I thought it was. Like I, I had heard that there were things, but like this movie really plays it up where it's like, oh, were they were they more serious than than like we were known to believe? Um And I don't know if Lil' Kim doesn't like how she was portrayed. I I can kind of understand that. But I do think it's not Notori Naughton's fault. I think Notori played her really well. Great job. Yeah. I also like the actress who played Faith Evans, although like the movie did the movie didn't do a good job of showing the side of Biggie that would be able to convince 
a woman as smart yes. and charismatic yes. and talented as Faith Evans to marry him after a month. Yes. Like I don't care how I don't care how much humming he does. That uh-huh. is absolutely out of it's insane. Yeah, they just yada 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 through the whole like Faith and Biggie like portion of like them getting to know each other. And it's like, no, we would actually like to see this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does he like around her? What do you mean? Like Right. Yeah. So, um, um, other than that, you know, it was decent though. Yeah, it was a decent movie. Um, I, I also thought Derek Luke was great. Yes, as as Diddy, I I really I enjoyed that. His was a perfect encapsulation of Diddy's energy. I thought that was. I thought he did a great job. If if there was ever a Diddy biopic, which you know, I guess we could there could be a discussion on whether <laughs> like there's enough of Diddy that we haven't seen in other biopics that deserves its own story. But if there was, I think Derek Luke, like just sign him up because he was great. He was I, great. I, I don't know if I want 20 minutes about him <laughs> starting, starting making the band. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Is that, that that's what that show was called, right? I never watched yeah, making, making the, the band. band. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I want like 20 minutes of a movie about him being like, I got this great idea. And uh, huh. We got to figure this out. Let's take this to TV. You know, it was a, and then his voiceover is like, it was a revolutionary concept in reality television. I'm like, hey, yeah. I don't know. Oh, was. the the one last thing I want to mention, and this obviously comes up in the next two movies we'll talk about. It's it's kind of become canon that we've begun to accept that like the whole East Coast West Coast feud, specifically between Biggie and Pac, escalated from a series of like misunderstandings that got out of control until it was too late. Like none of us like really know, you know, what happened between the two and like who actually did what, but it seems like we've just come to accept that like, yeah, there were some misunderstandings that Tupac took it this way, Biggie took it this way. And then unfortunately it got out of hand. And I think out of the three movies, straight out of Compton doesn't spend a lot of time on it, but between this one and all eyes on me. I think Notorious did a much better job of showing how the tensions between the two of them kind of escalated. Like all eyes on me does, I think a very bad job of showing that or kind of like a, 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 a they just kind of like rushed it a little bit, but I think Notorious actually takes the time to like dig into it a little. Oh, George Tillman Jr. Directed the movie. I didn't mention that before. He he went to Columbia. Excuse me. Oh, wow. My alma mater. He directed <laughs> soul food. Um, and then oh, most wow. recently the, the hate you give, which is great. movie. Oh, I, I like both of those movies. Yeah, that's a great movie. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you once we're done talking about the next three, which one you think did a better job of representing? Cause it's tough because they're both want to be sympathetic toward their subject, but they also don't want to just bash the other party. Yeah. So they have to just be like in each of the movies in this one, Biggie goes like, huh? I don't think Tupac meant that. (laughs) And then in the, in all eyes on me, he goes, I I don't think Biggie means that Like they have, they have to play it as just a big misunderstanding, but which, which one do you think, do you think it was this one that did a better job of kind of like explaining or just like, sticking enough to the truth of what happened yeah i think so i think this one um explored it a lot more and in a way that i from from all of the things i've read about how this could have gone down because nobody really knows but like there's there's ideas from the people who were close this this one i think is the closest to it to what i've heard okay Um, all right so 
So let's uh, let's save straight out of Compton for last for obvious reasons. Um yeah, and also because All Eyes on Me is just it's very similar to this, so we can just jump right into that. All right, released June 16th, 2017. It was released on what would have been Tupac's 46th birthday. Yeah. It had a big opening day of 20 uh 12.8 million, but it was an incredibly front-loaded weekend. So generally just to kind of go over this, Fridays which usually encompass, you know, movies open Thursdays at like seven o'clock, mm-hmm. they roll those grosses into Friday. So Fridays are always big. And then Saturdays, because everyone has off the whole day, are generally a slight uptick. If the movie's getting positive word of mouth, that'll be higher than Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday is usually a little bit of a drop off because less people are going at night because they have work the next day. Gotcha. This, this made about 12.8 million on Friday. And then for the whole weekend, 26. which means it was very front-loaded that first day. Mm. It was still above what expectations had it as. And again, I hate to say it, (laughs) enormous drop. 78% drop on weekend two, making only $5 million after making 26 the next uh, week. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. $45 million total domestic gross. It had negative reviews, 18 on Rotten Tomatoes, 38 on Metacritic. The script was panned and the film was criticized for being too safe a biopic. Um, I thought this was a mess of a movie. I agree. I agree. I thought that the the opening, I think that, um, well, do you know the name of the woman playing his his mom? She's from Black Panther and The Walking Dead. Oh, Denai Guerrero. I thought she's overplaying this so hard. <laughs> I thought she thought this was an Oscar. She was like, I'm, I'm getting it. It's mm. happening. I've really thought that she was overdoing it. And that whole opening to that movie where she's, there's, there's FBI following her and, and they do the thing where they just go like, uh, they go, Oh, well, we're, we're watching you, you know, just like the most <laughs> ham fisted, mm-hmm. uh, dialogue. And then, you know, then he, he's a kid for two seconds. She gives him like a notebook and she's like, this is better than, you know, a tape recorder or whatever. And then he's all of a sudden an adult or he's 17. He goes to acting school. He meets Jada Pinkett, which I'm sure you'll talk about, especially in relation to little Kim. Cause she's got thoughts on the movie. Uh-huh. And I texted you when this happened and it's my biggest pet peeve of biopics. <laughs> this is why it's a bad idea to try to do every piece of a life in one movie, he goes to California. There's a voice. This whole thing is framed poorly by that interview that we then get wrapped up 40 minutes before the movie ends. We catch up to that interview that's called in media res when a movie starts in a scene. And then the rest of the movie is us getting back to that scene. That's called in uh. media res. And this has that. And then we catch up to it, but they use it as a way of, it's basically voiceover because the interviewer will go. And so then your music really changed hip hop it really brought kids a way of expression i'm like yeah i know i'm like now you're just again you're just telling me things in the video and and so he goes i saw a man die the first day i was there and then he just cuts to him going um uh there was a woman named whatever her name was and she did poetry slams Uh and i did it and we see him do two lines and then he goes she had a contact with digital underground and she goes i got you an audition he's like you did and then it cuts to him going to the audition and he goes, Hey, I'm Tupac. And the guy's like, Hey, how's it going? And then he does two lines and he goes, now I'm on Torture's Underground. Like, this is it. This is the beginning of your career. And we, I, t- Ahmad, I showed Noah this yesterday. I timed it. It was a minute, 17 seconds 
of him getting to California or no, of him in California, meeting that woman, getting an audition, being on tour with Digital Underground. Seventeen a minute wow. and seventeen seconds. The performance they do of the Humpty Dance <laughs> right after is a minute thirty-five. Oh my god! They give more time, which I love the Humpty Dance. I love yeah, that it's song. Great. It's great. I sang along to it when it was playing. But they give more time to the Humpty Dance than to Tupac getting his start in music. And I have a feeling that they cast, because they cast that woman from The Walking Dead. She's not not a name at this point. I have a feeling there were a lot more scenes with her. And they cut them. You are, I was going to mention this, you are exactly right. So I own this on DVD. um, And there are deleted scenes. And like three of the deleted scenes is more introductory stuff with her and Tupac and they just cut it. Of course. And the movie is ill. It's wrong for it. It's yeah. that's how he got his start in music and we skip over it entirely. And so, yeah, then if that's the case, you don't need to put it in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Start the movie when he goes to jail or when he, you know, becomes a solo artist do something else because otherwise it's a disservice to him. It's a glaring omission in the movie and it's bad filmmaking. It's really bad. I thought he was okay. I think I texted you that he looks like him except for when they were shooting, when they were shooting the close-ups of juice, Mm -hmm. I was like, he doesn't look like him anymore. Cause I'm just picturing Tupac in this movie now and his cheeks, his cheeks are bigger. I agree with that. Yeah. But he did a good job. He looks like him. Clearly, he's being dubbed. The rapping scenes, he's doing fine. I thought he did a pretty good job in the booth, making it seem like he was really giving that energy to the performances. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, I didn't learn anything about who Tupac was or what he was feeling. Yeah, it was it was a Wikipedia page biopic. Like, And it's they a wanted, two and a half hour movie. Yes, yeah, so long. It's like they, it's they wanted a so scene long. for every notable like part of his life but they didn't spend enough time in any particular place this is the most disappointing biopic on this list because like tupac is is my favorite rapper and so it's funny i was i was really looking forward to this when i when i heard that they were making it finally because i had waited a long time for like a tupac biopic and it actually came out on the day that we got married um on June 16th, 2017. And I was like, I remember being like, oh, when we get back from the honeymoon, I, we got to go sure. see All Eyes on Me. <laughs> oh, you, you didn't, you didn't want to catch a matinee before the ceremony? There's an 1145 playing. I will be back by two. I'm just, okay, all right. I will be there, but I got to see Tupac. <laughs> and then it just it just flopped hard. Like, we'll, we'll talk about Straight Outta Compton, but Tupac, as an artist, deserved a Straight Outta Compton level biopic and this just it wasn't that. They didn't spend enough time inside Tupac's mind. Like one of the greatest things about Tupac was the way that he thought about things and the way that he like expressed himself. And they didn't really explore why he did the things he did, why he lived no. the way he lived at all. It's like and they, they also didn't made even- him seem like he was just all about the money, like he was always just behind on his money uh-huh. and he did it for money. And every one of his powerful songs we got off screen and as a means to make money, it really painted yeah. him in the wrong light. Yeah. Like, you know, he has that conversation with his mom in jail and then they just start playing <laughs> the song he wrote for her. And I'm like, uh-huh. why? It's she like- just talked to you. Uh, uh, why aren't we seeing any of this? 
all of those, like, you know, they, they literally mention the, the Brenda song, right? Brenda had a baby. Yes. Like in, in with the record company executives, which by the way, is a perfectly fine idea for a thing. Them being like, this isn't commercially viable. We can't do anything with this. And him being like, I have to write the truth. You've never shown, um, you know, in a desire to write the truth so far. It's just, yeah. when did you write this song? It must've been off screen. Yeah. Because it wasn't yeah. while we were doing this. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. What, what would you have wanted most from a tube? Like, is there a certain era that you, or is there a certain, yeah. What, 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 what would you be looking for? It's yeah, it's funny. I, I wrote, I have like a whole paragraph here on missed opportunities. I think talk to talk about it. Uh, I think they, I, I guess you can say they tried, but there needed to be like a grand cinematic showing of Hit 'em Up. Like, Hit 'em Up is one of the most devastating hip hop disses in the history of the game. Like, what he did on that song, and like, they, they kind of just had him like perform it at a concert, and but they didn't really give a lot of crowd reaction to any of the stuff that he was saying when he performed it. So it was like, if we're gonna like frame this as him performing it at a concert with these like crazy lines directed directly at Biggie and Bad Boy, why don't we have the crowd reacting to anything he's saying? Like the crowd just looked like they were at like a regular concert. He was performing one of his hits. It needed to be. I don't. I don't know how they they could have done it, but somebody knows how. And like it needed to be bigger than that. I think what they also. Th- sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, they also. They 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 didn't do a good job of exploring the duality that existed within Tupac. Like the fact that Tupac can make a song like "Dear Mama" and like actually mean everything he's saying in it, or like "Keep Your Head Up," and then also make a song like "Hit 'Em Up" or like "Ambitions as a Rider." Like there were there were two there were like two forces kind of like like within Tupac that kind of like drove his actions. Like the fact that he had a sexual assault and a rape and rape allegations against him. And the way they frame that we in this have movie. to talk about that. We have to talk about <laughs> Oh my it. God. I, I couldn't believe how they handled that scene. I, I don't know the specifics of that story. Uh-huh. I didn't know it happened to be honest with you. And them framing it as he did nothing wrong. Like on the one hand, like fine. Like you're, you're telling his story from his point of view. Uh-huh. Sure. Right. Uh-huh. But when they cut to her in the courtroom afterward and she gives him a look like I fucking got you. Uh huh. I got you. I made all that shit up. She gives him a look like, <laughs> Oh, I played you bitch. I right. was shocked that they immediately made her. If, if you're going to do it, do it where he didn't do anything, whatever you believe. If you're making a story from his point uh-huh. of view, make it so that he, you know, we're doing, but then don't make her a villain for it. Yeah. Like yeah. You're, you're just that, that was such a wrong move and really was such a turnoff that, that, that was shocking that they, they, yeah. they gave her a look. She looked at him like, Oh boy, did I win this? I, I beat you. Yeah. They they really did her an injustice in the way they portrayed her. Like even, even like the scene where they like first meet in that club and the, it was like framed, like it was an R and B music video where they like slowed it down and they put like the yeah. sensual music. Yeah. It was like, what, like, what are we talking about? Like for the people who knew 
like who she was watching this is like this is wrong we should why are we doing this and for the people that didn't know why we were watching this like me i was like why is she different why is she getting there i mean she's gorgeous but like you've been around i've seen 80 gorgeous women behind you in this entire movie right why is this getting the she's all that down the staircase scene yeah it's and like I, i read that she obviously was um, very disgusted with how she was portrayed that she like walked out of the movie. She left the theater. I yeah, would have too. She, yeah. Yeah. I would have that. Oh, I can't believe the look they had her give him. Um, yeah, that's, that was just the, I think my biggest disappointment was how it seems like they didn't really understand who Tupac was, or if they did, they rather make a movie where they capture everything that happened in his life than actually explore him as a person, which like for me, I already know the things that happened in his life. Like the fans of Tupac know what happened in Tupac's life. And even the people who aren't fans, because he was such a big character in hip hop, like one of the two biggest people in hip hop history. Like we want to see like what drove him to the events that, that we know about and they didn't do that yeah, at all. I, I, I was expecting, you know, this cause I'll, for, as a movie guy, I know mainly his, his antics on set and he has, he's right, had, he right. had disagreements with many of his directors. He was often difficult to work with. And so I was expecting a lot of those, just when we saw him filming juice and like they showed mm. it a little bit where he got like really intense in that take and he yelled yeah. cut and he repeated his line or it was like, no, Tupac, we're cutting. But I was expecting him to be like late, to be fighting, to be holding people up, you know, like schedule wise, not like with a gun, yeah. but like just holding up production. And I, and we get, it was such like a, we want to honor Tupac by showing none of his flaws. You're not honoring him <laughs> at all in that regard. You're making yeah. him into something he wasn't. And uh, and again, just soak by the book biopic. Just yeah. A to B to C to D to E. Yeah, it was just run. Yeah, it was tough. I did think that they did a good job of making Suge Knight, yes, like, a co- a comic book villain in them. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Him at that dinner table <laughs> shoving cake oh in a guy's God. mouth. Yeah, was really funny. And it's funny and then, because, like, in Notorious, or maybe it was straight out of Compton, in Straight Out of Compton, they also kind of like painted Suge Knight in the light of how he liked to embarrass people who, like, did something to him. Because, yeah, it was straight out of Compton because there's a scene where he's, like, making, he's got, like, a dog barking at a dude who has his pants down and he, like, makes him do a toast. Like, it was like, oh, you all are, like, you all could probably do a Suge Knight biopic if you. <laughs> If you wanted. There's um, plenty of actors for it. They yeah. Got three different ones to play him. I also thought that uh, it was weird seeing the guy, even though it was before I watched Notorious, but Jamal doing Biggie again. And I was sitting there going, well, I mean, you're so much older than you are. This is 12 years. Oh, wow. After yeah. Played. It was so much, so much longer after he did 12 it. 12 yeah. years after a 30 year old man played a 21 year old Biggie. Wow. Or how, however old he was. I don't know. I yeah. Assume he was older. I assume that's why he didn't talk that much in the all eyes on me part. <laughs> yeah. I, it was just, it's, yeah. it was real disappointing. The Jada right, part was, was, was just before we wrap, the Jada part was weird. I thought as well. And Jada herself has talked about, she, she said she liked uh, Demetrius Shipley and I think Kat Graham is the person that played her. She liked their performances, yes. but she had a lot of like notes on like, how the timing of things that they showed wasn't how it happened or how some of the things they showed didn't happen. 
And I don't think it was necessary for the Jada relationship to be as much a part of this movie as it needed to. Just another example of how they spent the the time on the wrong things, I feel like. Yeah, she was barely in it. <laughs> um and again, that whole thing where he like makes this intelligent woman the the Quincy Jones's daughter and he just oh, like yeah. charms her instantly and we don't Yeah, that <laughs> That and I'm sure ridiculous. he was a very charming – he's certainly an intelligent man, and I'm sure he's very charming, but they just didn't show that at all. Like like, like she she says, I heard what you said about my father was a gross insult, and he's like, hey, come on, come on. And she's like, yeah, all right, you're right. Yeah, she immediately – like, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Give me a second to apologize. And then he says one thing that's so cliche-ridden, and she's like – she stops, and she goes like, okay. And then they're just like together. Yeah, anyway. for the rest of the movie, yeah. Good. All right, let's get to a good one. Yes, um, straight out of Compton. All right, I got a, I got a lot for this. <laughs> straight out of Compton, August fourteenth, two thousand and fifteen. Impact upon release is directed by F. Gary Gray, who directed Friday, set it off, and the Italian Job before this. Great movies. Um, yeah, plus a man apart, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, it was produced by Ice Cube with his son portraying him in the film. Highly anticipated. It was a great trailer, and I, uh, I want to mention the circumstances around the release. I think it's important to kind of know why it resonated so much and why it was a big hit. The film felt charged, especially coming two years after the establishment of Black Lives Matter. It was exactly a year since the protests in Ferguson. Uh, months before the film's release saw the murder of Freddie Gray and the protests in Baltimore that dominated the news, as well as the terrorist attack by Dylan Roof and the tragedy of Sandra Bland occurring just a month before the film's release. It felt enormous. It felt of the moment, angry and powerful. It got good reviews, 89 on Rotten Tomatoes, 72 on Metacritic. Critics found it supremely entertaining, giving it praise to its cast of unknowns, its relevant parallels to contemporary America, while some criticism was pointed toward its avoiding some of the group's uglier matters, such as misogyny or homophobia. Uh, Mod's given a big uh huh <laughs> look on his face. <laughs> Although they do say the F word at one point uh, during Fuck the Police, they do rap that. Um, and it getting caught in the biopic convention webbing, which we can talk about. Interestingly enough, just like when Do the Right Thing was released, there was concern about violence after people saw the movie. Mm. So much so that theaters had extra security. Wow. But of course, zero violent acts occurred <laughs> because people aren't ridiculous like other people are. Uh, like people who think there should be security are ridiculous. <laughs> right. It had a huge opening weekend, a jaw-dropping $60 million. It was the Damn. seventh biggest R-rated debut in history and the biggest opening weekend for a musical biopic. It would go on to gross 161 domestically, the biggest music Damn. biopic in history, and the highest-grossing film of all time directed by a black director until F. Gray Gray would beat his own record two years, two years later for The Fate of the Furious. Oh, okay. Uh, the film, which would then get crushed by Black Panther. The film was such a success. Universal mounted an awards campaign for the film. It would go on to be named one of the 10 best films by the National Board of Review of the year. Um, receive a nomination from the Producers Guild of America for Best Theatrical Motion Picture. And a nomination for Best Performance by a Cast Ensemble from the Screen Actors Guild. Both of those are major precursors that are important for securing a Best Picture nomination. And while that didn't happen, it did receive Best Original Screenplay. Mm. Although it is not lost on on uh, on people that it got nominated for Original Screenplay. All three of its writers, three I think, are white. 
Um, but yeah, it was a huge deal. And I think that a lot of the reason why, not only the stuff that was going on that I mentioned, that was only a blip of like, <laughs> right. the shit that was happening back then. But um, it, it felt like the biggest movie of the summer. It, it had the weight. And like, this is like that trailer, which I watched yesterday is great. I, the, the music cues and that the way that they slam onto the title when all three of the people on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, great. Even, it's though, great. even though in the movie they're saying, fuck the police when right. they do that, <laughs> but it's still, yeah, straight out of cotton. Then it just slams on the screen. It's great. Um, and so much of the imagery, you know, I remember that the, and this is just, it's just smart marketing. The, one of the trailers showed very heavily that, um, that tank with the thing on it going into the house in the beginning, because a lot of the protests that were happening had armored right. vehicles, yeah. like they're using imagery. So it felt so of the moment and raw. And it just really felt like this huge event film, which is something that, both the big and the Tupac movies needed to feel like they needed to feel like the biggest movie about this subject yes. matter you could ever possibly see. This was like an epic. It felt like, and uh, it delivered. It's incredibly entertaining. It's so Completely it's agree. very well made. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I, re, did you rewatch it for this? Oh yeah, I certainly did. And I saved it for last because going into it, I was like, this is going to be my number one. None of these movies are going to touch it. Um, so I'm going to save it for last. I haven't watched it in a while. I'm very happy to rewatch it. And it was, it held up like this movie is now seven years old and it, it still feels timely in a way. And it's still very exciting. Even though I knew what was going to happen, I was like excited for the scenes to occur in front of me. I think, um, pacing wise, it, it kind of like slows down a little toward like the, maybe like the middle third toward the end. Yeah. But uh, there's so much I love about this movie. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is He's my so good. favorite part of this movie. Like the the way he just like perfectly like portrays his father's mannerisms. Like he sounds like him. Obviously, he looks like him. Like he nailed it. Like he nailed it. You know, you know what I love? I again, I only watched the first half, but mm. there's a moment at the beginning where the guy on the school bus is yelling at the the gang members, and they come on the bus, which is just shocking. And it was, uh-huh. and it's one of those things where, as a viewer, you're watching who certainly doesn't, you know, doesn't live in that area, doesn't know this kind of thing plays out. But you're like, like you just got on the bus, like you can't, how can they? <laughs> Why didn't the bus driver just leave? Why did he let him on? You know, hey, he's got and a gun. Then, <laughs> yeah, but then, and so I, I, at me as someone who's not in that environment has to put that aside for the movie and go, this just must be how this works. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then O'Shea goes to the house, and the first thing he says is, some crazy shit happened today. And I was like, that was weird for you, too. <laughs> I really love that bit where he's like, this is, you won't believe what the fuck happened. <laughs> like, he came out with a gun. We were all very surprised. I'm like, okay, good. That wasn't a normal. I wasn't weird for going. Oh, this is strange. Um, yeah, I, I think that was so good. The cast is so good, and, uh, and you know they found you know Jason Mitchell, who we're not really supposed to talk about anymore, right? Because of his <laughs> uh, his own issues with he's, uh, sexual he's, assault. Yeah, he's <laughs> very good in this. Yeah, oh yeah, he and, he nails it. Like, oh my god. He was, he's such, he's so great in Mudbound too. Oh, I still haven't uh, seen that. Mudbound's really good. Yeah. Okay. Mary J's. Mary really J. Okay. She got Oscar nominated for that. Oh yeah. She got nominated for that. song and, and actress. It's good. Um, 
but he's very good in it. Uh, Corey Hawkins is it's, it's cool how like O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Corey Hawkins both like broke out from this. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they're both doing things and I like them every time I see them. Mm-hmm. Um, Lakeith as Snoop Dogg, I remember being such a, a fun moment because, yeah. um, was that like right before he became a big? Because at that point, I definitely knew him. It had to have been 2015. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. He was he was in Dope, which he had like a small part in. Had Atlanta started he, at that point? Tw- no, twenty fifteen. No, no, no way. way. Yeah, it started the it started the next year. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, this was probably part of his breakout moment with us. Yeah, and I I remember you know I've been a Lakeith stan, even though he's he's also said some things. Oh yeah, he uh, also has a has a history. He also <laughs> was in a, he was in a few chat rooms that. <laughs> We don't want to be in Lakeith, and it's very tough because I really, ever since Short Term Twelve, I've been like, mm. that's that's the guy. So every time he popped up in something, I get really excited. Yeah. Um, but the the filmmaking, F. Gary Gray just shoots the hell out of it. You can tell oh, that he yeah. understands the weight of the moment that those characters are in and yep. of what they're doing. Um, the music scenes are great. I love uh, seeing them have su- they have such a good time recording their music. Yeah, uh, which is which is always funny to me, especially in that beginning when they're they're laughing and eating pizza and waking that guy up on the couch and joking around. And then uh, uh, Doctor Trey's uh, girlfriend comes out with his daughter, and he's like, "You understand? I'm working so hard." I'm like, "All right, you're also fucking around with your friends." <laughs> yeah, we had yeah. a full montage of you joking around, but yeah, you're working there. Like I'm sure you are, but don't act like you know. I was in the the, the sawmill all day. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> My hands are are scarred <laughs> from what I've been doing. Uh, Paul Giamatti's great in it. I love yes. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. He does a great job. I remember it's so heartbreaking that that like pull away from Corey and uh, no from uh, Easy E. Just like that whole contract thing they have at the beginning. Yeah. Is. So tough to watch. <laughs> where, yeah. And Paul is so good at selling that where he's like, they're on their way. You know, these lawyers, they're just, they're killing us. They're, yeah. But it's, it's a really great encapsulation of a time and a moment. Now let's talk about, you know, it's a movie made by the people, you know, easy. E is gone. Is anyone else from, from that crew gone? No, easy. is the only one that, uh, that has died. All everybody else is still alive. And Ice right, Cube so and Dre were producers on the movie. So. Right. So it, obviously they're going to leave some of yeah. the shit out. Is yeah. there anything that you want to talk about with that? Uh, mainly, so, you know, it's it's also become canon that everybody knows about Dr. Dre's abusive past. Um, not only with, like, his his uh, romantic partners, um, but we we know that he has, you know, been abusive with his one of his baby's mother, but also there was a like a, I think like a radio personality that he like publicly like abused and like threw through a door and like publicly oh my God. admitted to like doing these things. So like Dr. Dre has a clear abusive history and they oh man, they don't even mention it. Like there's not even like a hint like he's like maybe a little mean in the movie, but, but like Corey Hawkins has such a sweet face that it's just seeing he's like, <laughs> like in my mind, if you had said like, you've seen her at a conference and I go, yeah. And you go, who's like the sweetheart of the group. I'd go oh, probably Dre ice right. cubes. Ice cubes mean easy. Yeah. like the older mature one and Dre's the sweetheart. Yeah. But in reality yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. yeah. And 
you know, the his baby mother, she's made comments about like uh her quote I think was oh it makes sense how I was uh, or that I wasn't like portrayed as much in the movie because if they portrayed me in the movie how I was at that time period, then I would have just been getting slapped around all the time. And it was like Holy oh shit. Yeah. So it that's a, a glaring omission um that Dre and, and company decided to leave out. Uh that's I wonder why. Yeah, for sure. That's that's probably I think the biggest thing. I think, you know, MC Wren wasn't pleased with how he was portrayed. Of course, Jerry Heller like filed a lawsuit against everybody related to the movie, one that got dismissed, of course. Um but like other than that, I think I think you know, everything that I saw kind of lined up with like what I thought. And I'm sure there's a long list of like historical, like, Oh, well this actually happened then and there. But for the most part, I think everything happened how I would have wanted to see it. But I mean, that, that Dre thing is one of the biggest like marks against his character and also (laughs) an extra mark that he, you know, didn't, didn't really decide to own up to anything in this big retelling of the majority of his career such a hard thing to reconcile because it's similar yeah. to the whole, do you move, you remove the art from the artist, which we're kind of in the middle of a reckoning of with <laughs> yeah. so many popular people, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether you believe rightfully or unfairly so being kind of tossed aside. And so it's, it's a tough thing because the movie is so entertaining uh-huh. and so well made. And that glaring omission, like that has to count against it. But if the movie's still really good, like it's a good movie, but is it the right movie? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. It's it's really tough to factor in, but it is clearly the best of these biopics that that, that we've watched. And it it wasn't really close, (laughs) to be honest. No, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like none of these movies I watched. Was I like, ooh, is this better than Straight Outta Compton? Like, no, like none of them are. <laughs> no, I do remember. Uh, I, yeah, and it's tough. We don't have a lot of them, and it makes we don't have a lot of biopics, and it makes sense because the art form is still relatively in its infancy. You know, we're we're yeah. just now getting an Elvis movie, <laughs> right? So right. we're not gonna get it. We're not gonna get a Kanye movie till like twenty seventy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. But let me let me put this to you. If and also I just feel like um you know, two of these are good, mm-hmm. one's really good, and then most of the other ones are cert, you know, one of them's decent, and then the other ones are just kind of not good. And uh-huh. some of them are bad. And it's it's a it's a theme we're gonna run into with a lot of movies based in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we get into the genres, these like poorly reviewed movies, and and I don't know where the correlation is. If it's not, if it's because I, I don't think it's people not trying. I just wonder if it's a different sensibility. If it's mm. just like if it's a kind of a cash and similar to songs, when a song is just like radio friendly and doesn't have anything attached to it, like yeah. then it's not a good song. But but people seem to like it. It's just kind of like sugar in a way, you know, where you yeah. just it tastes good, but it's not good for you and. Um, I think that's, that, that is a, a big thing with hip hop is because it's not taken that seriously mm-hmm. in most, in most communities. Like even, I, I know you still have a lot of things about the Grammys in, in that regard. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's similar to comedy and film where like the Academy never nominates them, but right. it's, everyone says it's harder to do comedy 
than it is to do drama. It's harder to make people laugh. And same thing with this. I just feel like it's not taken seriously as, um, you know, as seriously as it should be as a music genre. And so uh, as a kind of uh, vessel for film, I think it's the same thing. And I think that's why we have so few of these and, and half of them just aren't <laughs> up to snuff. Yeah. And I hope it's something we change. Now, let me ask you something. Who is a rapper now or even in the past that you would most like to see get a biopic? <laughs> that's funny. I had the same question for you. Um, well then I'll think of an answer while you tell me yours. <laughs> I also asked Karen too. Just, I was like, Oh, I can oh, get her cool. answer in there. I so, did not ask Noah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen said Missy Elliott. And I was like, that is Ooh. a great choice. Um, we, we struggled to find anybody who we thought could play her. And we were like, maybe it'll have to be an unknown who it probably would. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of, I, I feel like I would want a majority of that to be about, that creative process, you know, yes. I, I don't want her childhood. I want her I want, yeah, getting I want, started becoming yep. huge. Yeah, I, want, I, want. I want you making the, like the, the best music she's made, the videos. Like I want to see yeah, her on the exactly. sets of like music video. Like I want to see yeah, all that's that. That's a good one. That's a good um, Jay Z is an obvious one for me. Um, Karen was like, do you think he would ever, like we would ever get a Jay Z biopic? And I was like, that's a tough question. He seems like the type I, who would like would. not want it to happen, but I think it would be a smart move. <laughs> you know, I, I have a feeling that, you know, once he gets up there in age, uh-huh. I think, I, I, and this isn't to say anything, there's something wrong with this, but he's, he's too much of a narcissist <laughs> yeah. not to be like, now let's make a movie about me. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I miss, I miss those days. Yeah. So let's make a movie. I, I feel like you have to be a narcissist to be, in music at all. So yeah. you have to want to hear yourself sing, but um, Jay-Z is a good one. I don't yeah. know. Is it too early for, here's what I want. Here's what I want uh-huh. Be- because his albums are autobiographical in general. I want a semi, I want a, a good kid, mad city movie. Oh, Oh, that would be great. Like a musical where the soundtrack of the album because that is just a story, or even or even a pimp a butterfly. But I, was I want about to start say, with the first one. I, he could do that for probably all of his albums, to be honest, because yeah. they're so they're so cinematic, like already. Yeah. That, oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Kendrick could probably make a movie off of every, all of his albums. Oh yeah. yeah, Good Kid, Mad City is the most like story driven. That would be great to see. And it's also the first one, and I would want that way. It's not giving me a biopic of him through his life. It's through his art. And yeah. Um, and you tell the story that he's telling and you have it be a musical where there are just show stopping and like, you know, not like a musical, like notorious is or any of these movies are where uh. they just stop to record the songs. I want like a full gone with, the, you know, gone with the wind West side story where <laughs> yeah. the, the action stops, there's choreography and they do the whole song and then the movie continues after the song ends. I that'd think be that'd cool. be really cool. That's a really good choice. That's what I want. Yeah. Also, All right, I let's rank them. Uh, oh, from yeah, a from a music perspective, more so than like a, I really want to see this story played out. I'd love to see like an Outcast or a UGK biopic. I think that would oh, be sure. you know Pimpsey's. Uh, he's passed, so I think I, I and UGK is so beloved in the South and in hip hop in general. I think a UGK biopic would be incredible. If Bun B had any hand in like being a part of it, I think it could be something special. But yeah. I also would want Kendrick to star in it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. 
I think he could do it. I think he could do it. I I think he could too. I don't know who would direct it. Maybe Hiro Mirai. He could be good. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be a good director. Done a lot of stuff with Atlanta. So, you know, I think he could. Yeah. And that's all very visceral. Yeah. You know, and very like in my mind that that movie, especially that show, is very like smooth. The camera just kind of glides yes. places, yeah. And that's how I feel like the album kind of moves through me. Is very like kind of slowly, kind of wading you through the story. So that's what I would yeah. offer. The- May thirteenth, um, we're getting another one. Excited. Yeah, that's a crazy title. What's going on there? What is it called? Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. <laughs> yeah, what's what's going on there? Is, it, is this no like idea. is this a is this a concept album that I'm gonna be like, I would rather just have a normal album? <laughs> uh possibly. I it will probably be very big on concept, I would I would imagine. But like and, even his other stuff is like concept, but it doesn't feel like it's like I need yeah. what happened in that la- I need to know the last song to understand this song. And and he's been gone so long that I literally have zero idea what this album could sound like. Like there is like it could sound like anything. <laughs> like I have no idea. Like it, it could be rock driven. It could be country driven. Like he's so like dynamic. Oh, like God. who don't, knows? Don't. Don't yeah, no, I don't want to put that sh- in there. Don't put that shit out into the world, man. <laughs> boy, oh boy. If he I came do. out with a... He's like teaming up with Tim McGraw like oh Nelly did. That's the big step. He does a remix of Over and Over Again. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, let's rank these as biopics. It's all in my head. <laughs> all right, let's rank them. Uh, bottom to the top. What do you got for number six? Uh, all eyes on me. Yeah, me as well. What do you got for number five? Get rich or die trying. I'm going with Crush Groove. Yeah, it was it was tough for me between those two, but because I like the musical aspects of Crush Groove more, I rank sure. it Well, I think I know what our number fours are going to be. Uh, well, my four was Crush Groove, and my four is Get Rich. Yeah, yep. it's just it's yep. flipped. Yeah, <laughs> and then I would imagine uh, our threes are the, the same. same. Yeah. yeah. We have Notorious. Yep. <laughs> and then Eight Mile. Yep. And, <laughs> and then, of then course, Straight Out of Compton. Straight Out of Compton. All right. I, Here we go. I, I correctly predicted. I was like, I think we we might be um, off on our Crush Groove, Get Rich or Die Trying uh, predictions, but I knew we would nail the other yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. All right. First the, first, the Fat Boys Break Up. Yeah. Then every day I wake up. Somebody, I need, I need whoever is interviewing Jay Z next to Have ask him Crush about Crew? that line. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, Have Jay-Z, you seen Crush Crew? Uh, I know how you feel about the Fat Boys and how much their breakup affected you. Uh, and you yet should watch not, Crush Crew. <laughs> not one sample about all you can eat? Right. I don't understand. You love Fat Boys so much. <laughs> Support them, Jay Z. I didn't hear that sample. That's funny. Um, <laughs> all right. All right, so this has been it for part two of the Real Rhythm series. Very exciting stuff. Uh, Next week, part three, we are going to be discussing the best rappers that became actors. Wow. So There's a lot of them. There are a lot, and we will not be talking about all of them, but we'll be talking about the the good ones. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, anything you want to plug before we head out, Brian? Yes. Uh, what's in the box office? Um, you could find our handles 
at what box office on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a website. We're on all your musical platforms. I'm at uh, Twitter at Brian DeSerber, D-A-S-U-R-B-E-R. And I'm doing a lot of stuff over there. <laughs> Definitely tweeting a bunch uh, for sure. Uh, but a follow would be nice. No, we're, we're doing a uh, multiplex sadness. We're getting closer and closer to determining the biggest flop of the 21st century. We have 16 contestants left. I'm going to read them real quick. The, uh-huh. These are the biggest flops of the 21st century. The sweet 16 candles, Alexander cats, Evan almighty, Gili, fantastic Four, Doolittle, John Carter, green lantern, Mars needs moms, Playmobil, the movie, Jack the Giant Slayer, Catwoman, Battlefield Earth, Ballistic, X vs. Sever, Son of the Mask, and Dark Phoenix. A bunch of shitty movies that you've probably never seen, but we saw them, so hear us talk about them. Um, a mod will be on at some point, and uh, this is all leading up to our big 200th episode, which we have some ideas about. One might or might not involve you. Okay, um, okay. So keep a your phone available for that. Uh, we're mulling around what to do for our 200th, but it's going to, our 200th is the same week as your finale. Oh, well, and it might not be my finale anymore because, um, Oh, that's right. Uh, now that Kendrick, I, 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 I mentioned if Kendrick drops an album before my finale, I'm going to have an episode on it. So he is dropping an album like a week before I was planning on, uh, ending so it'll probably get pushed out by a week right and you're getting him on the podcast right to talk about oh yeah we're going to talk in depth about the uh, new album with kendrick on uh, oh i thought you would you say we i'm doing that too oh yeah you'll be there yeah looking forward to it i'll talk (laughs) we'll talk about the best movie soundtracks i'm sure he has some opinions on that uh have you seen crush groove kendrick (laughs) um yeah, uh, so yeah, that's what's in the box office. We're also just talking about how much movies make. Doctor Strange is coming out. Is it going to be as big as Spider-Man? No, because Doctor <laughs> Strange isn't as big as Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not a lot of eight-year-old kids with Doctor Strange pajamas. No, no. But they got those spidey pajamas. So yeah, uh, a lot of movies coming out. We'll tell you how much they made and why that's uh, what that means to you, plus a big tournament. So check us out. Awesome. I'm excited. Uh to be featured on a future episode for the tournament. I've, I've seen, I think more movies of the 16 you mentioned than what there true? were. Yeah. Like you, you, you named a bunch and I was like, okay, I think I've seen at least five of those. So wow. yeah, we'll have to talk about them. Um, right. Yeah. Excited for that. Uh, thinking outside the boombox.com is the website T O T B the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we'll be back next week talking about, the best rappers who became actors excited for that in That's part right. three of the real rhythm series it's been thinking outside the boombox your number one source for hip-hop and r&b news peace up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com